Well, it's a privilege to be able to share some thoughts with you today. And um, I'm going to be speaking to you about the story of the woman at the well, Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. And, and it's found in John chapter 4. And it's a fascinating story that I come back to over and over. I'll bet I've preached this story of Jesus and the woman at the well five different times. It's a, it's a story that has a lot of meaning to me personally, and it's, I, I just find it such a fascinating conversation. And so let's start with just reading the story. I think that, uh, well, let's just start, hop right in, and I'm going to read it right off the screens. But he had to go through Samaria. I want you to just think about that. Those, but he had to go through Samaria. I'm going to spend more time talking about that first verse. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near a plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, can ask a a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews don't share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where are you going to get living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well with his sons and flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink from the water that I give will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become a spring of water gushing into eternal, up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not your husband. What what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither in, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You, will worship, you worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called the Christ and when he comes he will proclaim all these things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he the one speaking to you. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking to a woman. But no one said to him, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She told the people, come see a man who told me everything I have done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and were on their way to him. So that's the story, and I'm not going to be able to delve into all of it. I'm only going to jump into a few pieces of the story because there's just way too much there to, uh, to consider. But just the very first verse is worth really drilling down into. It says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, which is very odd indeed because Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jews avoided Samaria. 
In fact, most Jews, Galilee is up in the north and Judea is in the south where Jerusalem is. And most Jews would go around, Samaria is kind of in the middle, and most Jews would go around it in order, specifically to avoid it and to avoid conversations with the Samaritans like this one. But Jesus intentionally went right through the area that everybody else was at that time ignoring. So it's very odd that it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. He did not have to go through Samaria, but he in some sense did. In other words, Jesus must have had some kind of inner compelling, some kind of inner desire to do what exact, exactly what other people were avoiding, and that is to have a conversation with the Samaritan. And so Jesus goes right through the middle of Samaria and is in this, what is near Nablus in the West Bank today. And Jesus had an encounter with this woman that is documented here. And so it's fascinating to think of Jesus having, so he, he had some kind of inner compelling to cross a divide that everybody else was it was building. In other words, everybody else said that you should avoid going through Samaria because you don't want to have conversations like this one. And Jesus felt the exact opposite way. And so the focus of my sermon today and the main theme about Jesus that I want to build, you know, the theme about Jesus is that Jesus is the world's first braver angel. That's kind of my theme. And I'll, if that doesn't make sense, it will in a minute. So Jesus was the original braver angel. He had it took courage to go through this area because there was a lot of animosity and Jesus chose to go right through it and ended up having exactly the kind of conversation that everybody else was trying to avoid. And so, um, so the, Jesus is kind of a model. I mean, we live in a world where people are, we're, we're increasingly isolated from one another. Uh, I don't know if you realize that, uh, that people that tend to be more blue in their persuasion are moving away to areas where there's more represented in that area. And the people that are more conservative are moving to more conservative areas. We live in a, in a world that is increasingly being division, di divided according to political and cultural distinctions that we often associate with the colors blue and red. And so th this is happening right now in our world. And Jesus felt compelled to go into the middle of it and to not be divided from people. He wanted to see these people as human beings and not as simply as dirty Samaritans. He wanted to have encounters with them. He must have been, you know, longed for these kinds of conversations. And he had the conversation because he longed for it and wanted it. And so there's a sense in which Jesus is kind of a, a braver angel. Braver angels is all about, and just so you know what braver angels is about, braver angels is the United States' largest uh, depolarization organization. And it's an organization committed to getting people who are blue and red and purple all together and having better conversations rather than splitting apart to having genuine conversations. And in order for that to work, you've got to be curious about the other side. You can't just sit there and go, well, those stupid whatevers, I'm not going to listen to them. They're obviously dumb because they voted for that person. And, and a braver angel is a person that says, no, that's not good enough. They are human beings. They have, we probably have a lot more in common than we think. And we need to have conversations. And our country, I think, is desperately aware of this need, increasingly aware of this need, that we need to have 
conversations with each other because it's so easy to demonize from a distance and it's so hard to hate someone that's sitting across the room that you're having a conversation with. It's very difficult. The, uh, we had a, one of our Braver Angels events recently was a gun control debate. And I'm in favor of stricter gun laws. And a person who we all know packs heat around Mitchell came to the debate. He wasn't packing heat when he came, thankfully, but he came to the debate. And I had a conversation with him afterwards, and we said, hey, let's get together for lunch tomorrow. We got together for lunch now, and now every time I see this guy, it's like, he's my friend. We disagree on this issue. I really like this guy. It's just a, a, a remarkable thing, and that's That's being a braver angel. It's being curious about the other person rather than writing them off. Wanting to listen to other people even though they have differences of opinion. And Jesus is this extraordinary example. The the very first step is to be curious and to not demonize the other side. To be curious about what they actually, uh, how they actually see things and to have a conversation with them is is so helpful. But then the second thing that's really interesting about this story, this conversation happens because Jesus was tired and hungry and thirsty. You know, the disciples went into town to get food and Jesus is like, I am really tired. I'm going to sit right here. And the woman came and got water and Jesus is like, hey, I am really thirsty and I don't have a bucket. Can you give me a drink? And the conversation happened because of Jesus' hunger Jesus, first of all, being curious. Second of all, uh, he was tired. And thirdly, he was thirsty. And this conversation came out of just the natural ways that people interact. But the key is Jesus was curious and wanted to uh, establish relationships with Samaritans. Clearly, he did because he, he was compelled to go through Samaria. I want to talk just a little bit about the fact that this chapel uh, or the, sorry, this uh, conversation happened at Jacob's well. There's just some really interesting stuff. And I have some pictures when we do go to Israel. And by the way, I had a trip to Israel planned for this uh, June, which obviously is, well, actually, we haven't scrubbed the, the trip completely. We are just at this point not recruiting for it, right? Because it would be ridiculous. But, uh, but there, if we do go, and if we're able to go into the West Bank, sometimes you're, it's harder than others because of the unsettledness in the West Bank. But in the West Bank, there is this, right in the town of Nablus, uh, it's called St. George's Chapel, and there's a little uh, Orthodox priest there that kind of runs a gift shop. But this is where the, the, uh, the, the, the Jacob's Well, the location of it is very well known because there are very few wells in this region. And the, the one that is called Jacob's Well to this day has been called Jacob's Well for hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's very likely the, orig- the correct spot. And there's a little Orthodox priest there. I remember one time, the first time I went there, I wasn't really expecting that we'd be able to stop there. And we ended up stopping and going in. And it was the same priest that was there. And I was like, okay, where in the Bible is that story of Jesus, the woman of the well? And he's like, he's behind me, goes, John chapter 4, I turned around. I didn't even know he knew English. You know, he would have. He's a he's a a Palestinian uh, Orthodox Christian. So he's Arabic. So these are Arab folks, but they're also Christians. So he said, John chapter four, and I turned around and went, "You wouldn't know. You work there." So, so, uh, but the so then let's and I I couldn't go back and find my old pictures, so I just took them out of a photo album that we Kitty put together. Let's go to the next slide there. Okay, so that's the water coming right out of the well. That's the, and then the last one is, uh, yeah, Eric Waylander and Ad, Addie Kenkel there getting a drink. 
so and myself too in the background. Um, but uh, the thing that's really, I wanted to talk to you about the actual chapel. There's a beautiful new chapel that was built just a few years ago. And it's, a, it's just such an interesting thing because uh, we were walking around this chapel just kind of admiring it. And we noticed that in the back of it, there was this kind of little mausoleum. And if you looked inside, it was kind of hard to look inside. But if you looked inside, you could see that there was like a mummified body in there. And we were like, what in the world is, you know, what is this? So we went back to that little priest that I uh, showed you a moment ago. And we asked him, what's in this thing? And he said, oh, that's, and he gave us the name. I don't remember it. And he said he was killed by the Israelis. And we're like, well, what's the backstory there? And he said, well, the, you know, and we started putting this together. The fact is, this is Jacob's well. Jacob is like the person whose name was changed to Israel. Uh, if you just watch uh, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream code, he's the old man in, the, in this story. So, um, so the old man that has 12 sons, the 12 sons become the eponymous ancestors of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob is the, is the, fa- the one whose name was changed from Jacob after he struggles with the angel to Israel. I mean, this is the guy that the nation of Israel is named after to this day. So this is spot is extremely important to the Jewish people. And yet, it's controlled and has been controlled for many, many years by the Orthodox Church as a place to recognize the location where Jesus had the conversation with the woman at the well. So we have a controversy over the location. And in fact, the controversy is so severe that the settlers right nearby broke through and uh, uh, came over to this area and killed uh, the priest and were trying to actually lay claim to the land to be able to claim it back for their people as a, a place to recognize Jacob's well. And so, so the, the fact is, this, the, I mean, just think of the irony of this. This is a, chap, a chapel built to commemorate this story of Jesus' conversation with the woman. And, uh, and in the story, Jesus crosses all these barriers. But barriers are being held up by the chapel today, right? Because they're, the mummy in the back is to remind them of those Jewish people that came in and killed our priest. And, and so, the, so the chapel is, you know, you see what a mixed bag we have here. I mean, it's a recognition of Jesus' wonderful, extraordinary conversation that we broke over so many barriers, and yet barriers are being created and maintained. The anger and the animosity is being maintained by the chapel itself and the way it's designed. And so we see it's, it's, these things are difficult, aren't they? Having, being a person who crosses over barriers like this is controversial. In fact, I was thinking um, about uh, just the history of, or, or what's going on right now, this extraordinary war that's broken out. I mean, just think a few weeks ago, we woke up on Saturday morning and found out the world had changed and that this extraordinary, horrible series of events had happened with Hamas. We all know what the horror of what Hamas did. And there's no, there's no, ex, there's no moral justification for it. it. It was evil. It was heinous. Uh, I, we, we all feel such, I mean, just think to this day, there are 200 people in tunnels under Gaza being held can you imagine being held in a tunnel for three weeks now uh, out without seeing the light of day? 
being, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an extraordinarily horrible situation that's going on. But why, what's, why is it so bad? It's, and I think one way of understanding it is it's just re, re, what happens when people respond with retribution over and over and over it's kind of been this rolling cascade that's been in development. This is what happens when we don't have Braver Angels kinds of conversations, right? I mean, what would have happened if back when the Jewish people first started coming in, we, they had a series of conversations to try to understand each other and really worked at finding off-ramps to the retribution and the violence. Uh, you know, the, what... This kind of violence and this kind of, uh, of, of uh, the horrible bloodshed that people are experiencing is, is kind, of, it's kind of rolling thunder because of the uh, difficulty, the, the, the real difficulty it is to sit down and actually have a conversation and work out a plan of peace. And I was thinking about this, I don't know if you remember, in 1995, there was a, a great leader of Israel, his name was Yitzhak Rabin, who was a great military general, he was a, you know, highly respected in Israel, but began to work on peace accords with Bill Clinton and Yasser Arafat. There was called, it was called the Oslo Peace Accords, and the, the peace accords were signed, and they, they shook each other's hands. I don't know if you remember that, that, that Rabin and Arafat actually shook each other's hands. It was kind of like the pinnacle of this peace movement. And you could think of Rabin as a braver angel, right? He was committed to peace. He was committed to reaching out and, and understanding the Palestinian situation and working to provide off-ramps to violence. I've talked to a lot of Palestinians and their complaint, the ones that I have spoken with, a lot of them are like, look, I would like to be an Israeli. You know, being an Israeli, there are a lot of Palestinians that are citizens of Israel. A lot of them want to be Israelis, but the, the problem is they feel like there's no benefit to them to being for peace. So the Israelis tend to treat Palestinians kind of with an even hand rather than, uh, rather than providing ways in which peaceful negotiations really do anything and really give them some benefit. And so the, the, a lot of the Palestinian Christians I know who are very committed to peace are, feel frustrated because Israel has not really w made a way for peace to be beneficial for them. And so that's their kind of complaint. But there was this leader named Rabin who worked through a peace deal and was killed because of it, right? He, uh, it, and it was an Israeli that killed him, an Israeli that was uh, dis angry at the peace process and furious at Rabin for shaking y Yasser Arafat's hand and assassinated him in 1995. And since that time, things have kind of gotten worse. The peace, there has been no clear peace process. There's been no clear plan of action. Nobody is really working on it. Or I shouldn't say no one, but we don't have the kind of effort into peace. And so I, the reason why I want to talk to you about that is just because of obviously it's in the news, but, I, but also it's a lesson to us all. We have to do a, a better job at listening to people that have differences of opinion. We have to do a better job at being personally committed to being a, 
a bridge builder and not a, a, a person that just generates conflict. And so the concluding thought that I want to leave with you today is that, first of all, that Jesus is the world's original braver angel, you could say. I mean, Jesus is clearly crossing barriers here. The disciples come back and they're shocked, first of all, that he's talking to a woman, and second of all, that he's talking to a Samaritan woman. It's such a shocker to them, like, Jesus, how could you be doing this? And yet Jesus is building those relationships, those key relationships that are necessary, built on trust. I mean, he's critical of her, right? He lays it on the line with her, but he's also, he treats her as a human being and not as, an, as just an opponent. And he's wanting to develop a relationship with her. That's why he goes through that region. And so I, I want to just leave you with a few kind of concluding thoughts. First of all, I want to challenge you, if you've never really learned about Braver Angels, to get on their website and become a Braver Angel. It's just a, a good thing to do. They've got uh, uh, workshops and different ways that you can learn about uh, developing relationships with people that are different from you. So the first thing I would do is just encourage you to, to, to look into Braver Angels. The second thing I would like to encourage you to do is to be committed to, just as a person, be committed to listening to people without demonizing them. Spending time with people that have a difference of opinion. We have a tendency to go our own way, right? To, I mean, you can see it just on the news channels. You've got MSNBC and Fox, right? And now News, not News Nation, but MS, uh, uh, the, the other uh, 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 conservative stations. I mean, we've got all these different options out there, and we used to have one news source, but we've kind of divided up into having different news sources. That's just an example of the way that we're separated from each other. And so Braver Angels is all about getting people together for conversations. One of the things I love to do with Braver Angels is do what we call the one-to-one -one conversation. It's where you literally get people in a room and say, okay, if you're red over here, if you're blue over here, if you're purple over here, and everybody has to get matched up with another other person, and then you have a guided conversation. I mean, that is a really cool thing. And I love to just look around the room with all these people, you know, having intense conversations with each other. It's a very good thing. We do not want to go down years and years of, of building animosity over time because we may end up having a war like is being fought in Israel. Today, we need to develop a long-term process where we develop as a culture, as a people, the disciplines and the virtues that are necessary to have conversations, meaningful, heartfelt conversations, without trying to change their mind, just listening and learning, conversations with people that have differences of opinion. And so, uh, so I want to encourage you this week, make a decision. I'm going to be I'm going to have a conversation this week, a one-to-one -one conversation with someone, and I'm not going to try to change their mind. I'm, I just am going to listen to them and develop a friendship with someone that uh, across the political divide. And the last thing that I want to just encourage you to do, on Monday night, we're going to be having a speaker through Zoom, a Zoom call, with a guy named Rich Logos. Rich used to be a very big uh, MAGA activist. Now he is not that, but he has a message that is super important for both sides. It's not an anti-MAGA kind of message at all. It's meant to be a, 
uh, kind of explaining what the motivations were and the purposes were and the, what was uh, driving his uh, MAGA in, uh, activism, but also kind of a critique of it as well. And so, um, so I want to encourage you to come. Uh, Rich is going to be speaking on Monday night in the business building by Zoom, but, uh, but it's gonna, the whole idea, he started an organization called Perfecting Our Union, and it's a, it's, uh, developing this braver angels approach to things. And so, I think Jesus here provides an extraordinary example of a, an ability to listen across a divide and to be able to develop relationships and develop kind of a communication that builds a culture of, of friendship and unity in, in, even in the place of where there's a lot of uh, political differences. So my challenge for you today is to this week, I really want you to think, okay, I'm gonna have a conversation with someone that's different from me, that's on a different persuasion. I'm gonna sit down with them, I'm not gonna change their mind, I just wanna learn and grow in, through a relationship like that. So let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we do pray that you would um, give us the courage to be braver angels, to be able to listen and to learn from people that have differences of opinion from us. Help us to not demonize Help us to have the, the curiosity to, to hear what they really believe and not a characterization of it. And we lift this up to you. We lift up our nation to you. More than anything, we lift up Israel to you and the incredible challenges that are being faced with this. We pray that there would be new off-ramps for the violence that is uh, breaking out. And we do pray for the Jewish people as they're incredibly been uh, terribly attacked and uh, with such a, uh, um, just an evil uh, determination. And we lift them up and pray that you give them wisdom and comfort through, through this difficult time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Joel. Something that I love about Jesus and I love about that story uh, about uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman uh, is that, right, like Jesus is, is crossing so many boundaries, not just uh, political, but he we see him cross boundaries all the time of uh, socioeconomic status and uh, gender and all sorts of other things. And uh, But the most beautiful thing to me is that when Jesus crosses those boundaries, uh, lives are changed, right? That uh, people come away different. They come away with hope. They come away with uh, so much more than they left with. And so uh, when we follow Jesus, our goal is to be crossing those boundaries, right? Like Joel said, of all kinds, because we want to see lives change, because we want to see relationships formed. Uh, and that is what it really means to follow Jesus. Uh, so at this time, the band is going to move into a time of reflection, and there's going to be a song that's going to be played, and we invite you to use this time uh, for prayer and reflection, and the offering baskets are also going to be passed at this time. Uh, and your offering helps make the mission of fusion possible, uh, and so uh, we thank you for your gifts. We thank you for the ways that you give, whether it's financially, whether it's with your time or your resources, however it is that you contribute to be a part of the fusion community. Uh, it's so, so important. Uh, so I invite you to use this time of reflection, and then together we'll sing one final song. <laughs> 